Coming in in 3, 2, 1. Hello and welcome to Geek Space 9, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series Deep Space Nine. With me as always is Peter Dency, who I actually saw IRL yesterday. How are you, Peter? Yeah. I'm so jealous. I was, I was actually I was actually literally gonna mention that. Like I'm doing pretty I'm doing pretty well because um because apart from seeing you, which is which is always a pleasure, uh, I'm on cloud nine because I because I got to see a person, a person who in my life, and actually in many of our lives, at, for in, at the at, in Tuscan Shed, is a fucking unicorn. I saw Kevin Shield, and yes. I am so happy, Kevin. If you are listening to this, I love you, I adore you, and I miss you <laughs> so much. <laughs> I'm so happy I got to see you last night. I know, I know, he's the worst, but we love him to death. <laughs> and also with us is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm pretty good. My life is not quite as exciting as all oh. that. My girlfriend told me today she has a cold, so Boo. it's very possible that on our next episode, dear listeners, I might be a little sniffly because <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Um, but I also hopefully saved a turtle from getting run over today. Oh, that's so good. there's that. <laughs> good deed for the day. Yay. <laughs> and I would Ray. like to mention uh, before we saw... Hung out and saw Kevin. Uh, I took uh, Peter to see it, and oh. I don't think he'll ever forgive me. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I will, but like, just not right now. <laughs> it was adorable. There was a lot of groaning and a lot of uh, tapping me on the shoulder, like Ben, Ben, not okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every now, every now and then, after something like just like really intense and fucking scary on screen would happen, like, like, like I, I, I would like just, I was like, of course, like just scrunched down in my seat. Like and 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 granted and granted, like the listener, our, our listeners will ha- will already hear this um, in our in our it podcast. But still, like I I, w- I would like just touch his shoulder, and just be like, "Are you still there? Are you here? I'm afraid." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, did not go see that movie, nor do I have any desire to do so. But <laughs> if I did, I would you know probably just bring like a hoodie and hide within it for the whole time, and like. I'm listening. I can hear about through context clues what's happening. I don't need to see any of this. Oh no, totally. Like I, I think I think I think for the I think over the total duration total duration of that movie, my eyes were closed for a total of like maybe five to seven minutes of it. Like just closed. Like whether it was like mm-hmm. five seconds, ten seconds, a minute. You know, just just. I, I don't want to see anything. I'll just, I'll just hear hear stuff happening, <laughs> which is scary enough. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, my my friend. How mine, was the uh, music? Music was pretty good. I thought. I mean, that maybe was... a little bit too much of like a you know, like loud, spooky noises. You know, yeah. Which is I mean, yeah. fun fact: that's half of what makes a horror movie scary is yeah. well timed. You know, high pitched strings. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a good experiment I saw online where it's like people walking down a, a road and someone jogging, like just stock footage. It's very boring. And then they just kind of uh, slightly desaturated and add creepy horror music. And you're like, mm. <laughs> you know, it's just, it does uh, truly work. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who uh, saw the original It and is terrified of clowns. And so after I saw this movie, I was like, never see this movie, not even by accident. If it's on in a TV in the background, just smash the TV and walk away. Like you will never, re- <laughs> you will never recover ever. Um, or American Horror Story. I watched the first episode of that last week. Of the, and, oh, oh, of the new season. Uh, mm, yes. Or the very, or the very Listen, first. Let me tell you, like you know, that that one clown character in the Freak Show uh, series uh, was creepy enough, but 
this is this might themselves. be worse and i don't know if i'm gonna be able to get through this season hard pass yeah i think i'm good <laughs> but let's talk about a different show we're gonna talk about deep space nine this week we Yay. saw season five episode 17 and 18 with no killer clowns in sight thank god which we watched a simple investigation and business as usual so first we'll start with a simple investigation which is of course anything but simple we open the investigation with an idanian concerned about his safety as well he should be because he quickly is vaporized by two goons in Quark's, Odo declines to take part in Bashir's latest secret agent holotape when he spies a beautiful woman, Orissa, being bothered by Quark. He breaks them up, but notes Orissa is waiting for someone and tells her to come to his office if she needs help. Odo is struck by the encounter and finds her later in his office, trying to break into the security computer with her built-in cybernetic implants. She reveals she was trying to find the passenger manifest to discover if a man named Tobit appeared on the station, a man who was supposed to help her locate her missing daughter. Odo takes her to his room and discovers what's left of his remains. Odo questions Arissa, but she doesn't see any reason why Tobit was killed. Later that night, Odo catches her breaking into a cachet hidden by Tovid, which reveals a data crystal. Arissa confesses she doesn't have a daughter at all, and that actually she is a part of the Orion Syndicate, and Tovid offered her some vague help that would get her leverage over Drain, her boss who will kill her if she leaves. Odo asks why she would trust Tovid, and she claims she just innately knew she could. Figuring there must be something on the crystal, Odo has O'Brien and Dax try to decode it, and has Orissa put in personal custody. So personal, it's in Odo's room. You sly devil. Orissa tells Odo her story. She was a net girl, a mind prostitute, who let men into her mind for money. Eventually, she was hired by Dream to find blackmail on clients, but now wants to break away, but fears she will be killed. Orissa shows Odo some serious affection, to which Odo has no idea how to respond, so he interrupts Julian from his hollow sweet gal adventure for advice. Bashir convinces him Bond that Sheer. it's <laughs> Bashir convinces him that it's worth the risk to try. Odo tells Orissa he usually reads at night, but doesn't feel like it tonight. And Odo and Orissa get it on. Odo admits it's his first time, but Orissa is surprised, as apparently Odo is an O-Pro. She admits to wishing she could stay with him, but knows they must continue on. Behind his back, Orissa makes a deal with the two murderous goons, thinking she can give the crystal to Drain and be free, but they plan to kill her and take the crystal themselves. Meanwhile, Nandanian meets with Odo, who reveals Orissa is actually a secret undercover agent sent in to take down Drain. Her memory was wiped to protect her identity, and the crystal is actually all of her old memories that Tovid planned to implant back into her before he was killed. They discover Arissa has left with the crystal, but they track it to the cargo bay. Arissa is surprised by the goons, but Odo reveals himself and knocks them out. The Idanian reveals that Arissa's memory was wiped in order to avoid detection by telepaths, and that she was implanted with an innate trust of Tobin, who would bring her out when she had collected enough info on Drain in her Johnny Mnemonic brain thingy. Arissa is restored to her former Idanian visage, and her memories are back. She comes to Odo and reveals that while she does remember him, the person Arissa, which isn't even her real name, is mostly gone inside of her, and even worse, she is married. Odo understands 
and lets his first romantic love go. What do we think of a simple investigation? Oh, no. Feels. Odo has all the feels episodes. I know. Like, he actually, like, successfully... Well, I mean, well, actually, I, I was going to say he wooed her, but he actually was wooed. But still, that's besides the point. He actually, it actually he got, happened. He got the context clues. He made the move, you know. He he, he, he did it, you know. He, he got laid. He got laid. He got laid. Yeah. Finally. I know. Poor Odo. And the sad part is though is that is that when it was happening when it was happening like I I I, I didn't see the whole super secret un- undercover agent thing happening but I, the entire time I was just like this can't end well there's going to be something that's off about this and I was just like when is the other shoe going to drop oh, when yeah. is it going to drop mm-hmm. yeah yeah this ain't going to be a Cassie Yates like person who sticks around this is this is a one and done character I could feel it I could feel it in my bones but what do you think Sarah. I really liked it, except it was very sad. <laughs> I also have to say, uh, since we opened with, you know, Odo getting laid, uh, there was uh, when they're, you know, having the afterglow or whatever, Odo talks about how once on the, on the, the founder's planet, he uh, intermingled with yeah. someone and at that yes. moment a car engine revved outside of my house <laughs> and it was just oddly perfect timing <laughs> I, I intermingled room room you're just like what exactly intermingled room <laughs> <laughs> that is adorable yeah this is a pretty enjoyable episode it was interesting to see sort of a a day in the life of odo Indeed. Just, it, it, Indeed. It's certainly, uh, even though it's his first time, it feels like this is what Odo does all the time. It's a very uh, mm-hmm. Sam Spadey kind of uh, mm. thing. You know, it's a very like film noir detective novelish episode of like yeah, the femme fatale yeah. comes in and they have a connection, but they can't be together at the end because of reasons. You know, it has mm-hmm. sort of that uh, classic vibe, which I always uh, enjoy. Though with Odo, it's just a bit of extra feel since it's his first. Poor buddy. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all had our first be mind wiped and then be married afterwards. And it's just (laughs) some millennial problems 101. (laughs) His bedroom eyes, though. Yeah. What do you think about the fact they called his bedroom eyes? I mean, I don't agree with it personally, but I mean, I don't know. He could, he's a changeling. He can have whatever kind of eyes he wants. Honestly, yeah, he really could. This is true. Well, he is a, I think he has more like intense eyes, like a like a falcon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. A bird of prey or something. You know, mm-hmm. which could be sexy I mean, in and of itself. I mean, he has Indeed. a co- he has a cop. There's so, a you gift know. that attests to that. <laughs> I also love that. Of course, Dax is the one who's like, "Oh, they hooked up." Like, oh yeah, I have, oh, I have a note. Oh. Lol, Dax knows what's up. <laughs> Dax is like he is alone with her in his room. Come on, guys. Like guys, let's be real. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, when you when you have a symbiote inside you that that and and you're like seventh in line, you are pretty good at picking up on all of the cues of did they have sex? Did they not have sex? Or are they actually just talking? No, something nah. happened. 
I know why I've been to college. <laughs> I've been to college. <laughs> college is all about. Are they hooking up? I think they are. They definitely are. That is right. That I mean, I mean, when you most of when you have class, like. yeah. When you when you when you have classes that when you have classes that 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 emphasize you know doing research and picking up on context clues and blah 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 you kind of start to take that into your everyday life. And it's like, are they a thing? Look at them. It's obvious. <laughs> it's also really cute because Odo is so good at investigating, but he's so bad at understanding very obvious signs. Mm-hmm. To him, it's cute. Mm-hmm. Which is quite adorable that he has to go to Bashir to be like, you're good with ladies. Can you help me? Yeah. yeah. I love that he picked Bashir of all people. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess he is actually, you know, pretty good with, with the ladies on the ship, but I feel like he's gotten better at it as the show has progressed. It seemed like in the first season he was oh, yeah. just a horn like, dog who was always like, chasing like after someone, face, usually green. Dax, but now he actually gets with people. That's true. I forgot that so, he was like kind of a little pathetic at the start. Like he was, he never could able to, he was kind of badgering every uh, lady on site. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can, yeah, yeah, can, can, to, to go to go back to the uh, college metaphor, at the beginning, of, at the beginning of the episode, he, he was very like fresh-faced freshman who was like, "I bang everyone in high school. I'm in college now. I'm gonna get all the ladies." And it's like, actually, dude, you're dealing with women who are like way above your pay grade. And now he's like, "I'm a junior. I have an idea of what I'm doing now." Right. I can be choosy. Yeah. <laughs> I can be choosy. <laughs> by the way, by, by the way, I I, lo- I loved that I loved that Odo found Bashir when he when when he was be- when he was being Bond Sheer in the Hollow Suite and 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 how and and how and how O'Brien just shows up nonchalantly. Yes. <laughs> Bashir, Bashir, hey Bashir, hey Odo, what's up? Anyway, <laughs> I love that he basically ruined his Bond thing, which is great. It's also funny because earlier uh, O'Brien is like, "Can I be the one who has like the." beautiful girl and i take it away from you he's like no but you're so good at being falcon though you're so good at being the bad guy and later he is it's so adorable when he's right. like yeah you shouldn't be parking around here <laughs> it's like <laughs> he's a good line. <laughs> one thing i thought was really nice is that the uh actress who played uh, uh arissa day young or d young d-e-y uh-huh. uh she was 42 when this episode came out which is yeah. sort of rare in Hollywood to have a sort of a woman that's viewed as very attractive and, and uh, sought after by men and a romantic partner for somebody be, you know, in their 40s, you know, which right. I think yeah. is cool. so, I would never have known. I thought she was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah no, she's, she's, gorgeous she's, too. she's a beautiful woman. I just noticed, I was like, I think she's a little older than than like 20s, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, yeah. Usually what they pick for someone... To be a romantic partner in one of these shows, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, and it, it she was she was compatible with the way or the age that Odo looks. Like yes. I know he's a changeling or whatever, so we have no idea how old he actually is. But it wasn't like Garrick and Zial or something. Yes, right. Yes. Yeah, there, there isn't that immediate like you know see behind the makeup like hmm, I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And it worked, too, because Odo would naturally, I think, be attracted to a more mature, world-weary person who's seen the world and knows a lot Mm. and maybe has some pain of her own that, like, gives her more character and, like, sort of a fresh face, you know, Lita, (laughs) for instance. 
Lita. Yes. We all yes. love Lita, but she's she's Lita as well. <laughs> she she is. I still go she, ahead. She is wonderfully and you know, um, what, what's what's the word? Adorably, slightly ditzy, but we love her mm-hmm. because it's Lita. Oh yeah. And Lita and Rom for life. Oh my god, oh, dude! <laughs> I ship yes, them so let's just hard. say that. I new... also still ship Kira and Odo a little bit. I know that ship has probably sailed, but yeah. they had enough cute interactions in this episode. I'm like, oh, you guys would still be really cute together, right? I know, I know, but they're. I think they're at a good friends spot. Agreed. Yes. yes. Oh, totally. Which is good to see and that she was like really for him you know getting with this woman which i thought was really nice because mm-hmm. that's what friends mm-hmm. do how did you feel about the goons in this episode they we kind of focused on them weirdly in a couple scenes <sighs> and i wasn't sure why because they weren't that funny to me they, they weren't funny and they seemed slightly incompetent honestly yeah they, yeah they they, 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 they... I... They were the goons that were like three rungs, but like three rungs below top tier, and they were just like, you know what? We have better things to do, but just go ahead and just follow this woman because reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even have any notes about them. I they, really. Uh, neither do uh, I. Well, do you have any other they notes? They were that uh, under the radar. Do you have any notes in general, Sarah, for this episode? Um. Well, I will say that. Um, Dear listeners, you will be hearing this, you know, a week after you heard the last episode, but it's actually been like a month or more um, between like the last episodes that we watched (coughs) and got to record just for various scheduling conflicts. And I I missed this show and I'm glad that we're back. Aw, me too. That's my first note. It's, It's been a month since I've watched this show. I've missed these characters. Oh, that's um, true. But um, the uh, the world that um, Arissa at least believes she comes from, Finea, sounds really interesting to me. It sounds kind of like cyberpunk. Very. A little I bit, like kind of, whole, you know, like um, dystopian, and they've got the data ports, yeah, which I'm convinced people will have in real life one yes. day in the yeah. not-so-distant future. It's very Black Mirror. Yeah, um, yes. That, that part I found to be, like, I, I found to be, like, very very like 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 sci-fi cyberpunk ghost in the shell uh uh de, 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 deus ex like yeah the de, whole, uh, um, like the video game series it, so there yeah the whole net girl thing in particular sounded like something straight out of a cyberpunk novel the idea that right. you like mm-hmm. let people into your mind instead of into your body you know for money which I yeah. think is very interesting yeah i agree i thought that sounded very fascinating i could see a good star trek mm-hmm. uh spin-off novel about that place Yes. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else for a simple investigation? There was some interaction between Worf and Dax where Worf was being very irritating again and just furthering oh. my. Oh, it was oh, when uh, dis- yeah. I don't even remember what he was doing, but I have notes about how it, distasteful I found it. Uh, it was, I'm not uh, going to say the word I wrote down on air. <laughs> it was when Kira and uh, Dax were talking about Odo and, and the lady. And he was like, you should get back to your job instead of gossiping. You know, something like that. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was it. I'm like, don't. Don't be rude, Worf. I know. <sighs> I keep trying to. I'm not even trying to defend Worf. I'm just trying to move past that episode. But it's possible. Don't I can't because they keep. You really can't. It's now, yeah. it, we, now know, we now know this be part of his character. Not just like, oh, it's a. It's like it's just one five minutes. It's like, no, this is this is Worf. 
unfortunately. This is how they have written him. <clears throat> Agreed. I watched um I watched Next Gener- Generation episode recently. I think it was called The Emissary where um gosh, I guess it's Worf's first love, Kalar is in that episode. It's the first time we yeah, meet her. Great. And she's, you know, half Klingon, half human. And um, spoilers alert for next generation. Um, she is the father of Worf's son. Or no, mm. she's the mother of Worf's son, excuse me, Alexander. And uh, But they had this whole fight about like they have sex one time and then Worf wants to, for all intents and purposes, marry her basically. And she's like, no Worf, calm down. And so clearly Worf has not changed. Nope. New. No. At all. And in fact, may have gotten more conservative yep yeah yep very problematic i agree well let's move on yeah sorry it's okay you asked me if i had more notes i'm like well since you asked no it's fair it's just annoying because warp is one of my favorite characters and i don't like that he's becoming a dick in the show and it's bothering me yeah so i agree all right, let's talk about Season 5, Episode 18, which is Business as Usual. Dax and Quark are playing Tongo, but poor old Quark is devastated that he's flat broke and about to lose the bar. However, he gets some good news when Gala, the cousin who tried to murder Quark, arrives to give Quark a business proposal for his new weapons business. They plan to use Quark's hollow suites as a showroom for weapons for sale, and in return, Quark will get 5% of the profits. Quark agrees, and they begin successfully selling weapons on the station. Although Odo knows Quark is Although Odo knows what Quark is up to, since there are no weapons physically on the station, there's nothing Odo can arrest him for. Gala soon introduces Quark to Haggith, the wackiest arms dealer this side of Nicolas Cage, who starts to take a liking to Quark's odd methods and extreme attention to customer satisfaction. Quark is happy to Quark is happy with his new life, but concerned by some of their business practices, including selling arms to both sides of a conflict. Haggith even sold arms to the Bajoran underground, and as such won't be prosecuted by the Bajoran government. Quark becomes more concerned when after seeing another employee of Haggis be chewed out by him for failure and then learning that he was later killed. Gala offers Quark a major job, one that will mean Gala can retire and Quark can take his place. They plan to meet with the Regent of Palomar for a major sale. Quark tries to make good with Dax, who hates him now for his new job, but she does not forgive him. Quark makes good for the Regent, but is stunned to hear the Regent wants 28 million people of his killed because of a revolt led by his general Nossack. Quark foolishly tries to reason with the regent but is shot down by Haggith. Gala tries to convince Quark that the deaths will happen with or without him but Quark has a nightmare of all of his friends being killed by weapons that he sold. Quark tries to make amends by giving Dax his tongo wheel but she refuses to forgive or help him. Quark decides he has to fix this on his own, even if it means his death. Quark convinces Gala that he can't get the region the weapons he wanted, but he has found him a new bioweapon that could kill millions. He plans to show the region the weapon on a planet with small life forms. Meanwhile, he invites General Nussek to the station to sell her weapons as well, but claims to just be working both sides. Quark has Nussek and Haggith in the cargo bay. Oh, sorry. Quark has the regent and Haggith in the cargo bay to see the demonstration, but sneaks in Gala and Nussik. 
All sides attack each other and are surrounded by Odo's men. Later, Sisko reams out Quark for his reckless choices, but does note the regent was killed, and both Haggith and Gala are soon likely to follow. Quark is happy he managed to save 28 million lives, but he still has to pay for the damages to the cargo bay. He and Dax make up, but she still refuses to give back the Tongo wheel, because it was a gift after all. In the B-plot, O'Brien is perplexed why Kira Yoshi won't stop crying when he's not holding him. With Keiko off the station, O'Brien is forced to hold him through all of his shift and free time. Eventually, Worf comes in to bring O'Brien to work, and O'Brien is shocked that Worf is the only person who can hold Kiri Yoshi and not have him cry, meaning Worf is now eternal babysitter as O'Brien finally gets some much-needed rest. What do we think of business as usual? I do love Worf holding a baby. <laughs> there was something right? about like that's, that. Those are those Worf just, moments I love, you know? Yeah. I need more of that, less of him being a dick to Dax. And more, and, right. more, and more where he's just caught in a situation where he's just like, someone someone put this thing, whether it's a baby or whatever, in my hands. I don't know a how cat. to function. Yeah, a cat. I don't know how to function. What do I do? Right, like the great Next Gen episode where he delivers Kira, uh, uh, Keiko's my first baby. Oh, and, oh my God. Him. Yes, and then uh, when he later finds out <laughs> Brian's are pregnant again, he says... When is this? I need to be off the station. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very cute. And he talks about how he didn't get to hold Alexander because he, you know, he got introduced to Alexander when he was more in like seven or eight. Yeah. In Klingonish mm-hmm. years. Um uh and and it was sweet. It was cute. Again, that was yeah, that, that was a sweet little thing to bring up. It was just like, wow, damn, you're right. <laughs> yeah. More of that wharf. Less of douchebag uh, bro wharf. Please. More exactly. Yeah, more less douchebag wharf, more pseudo uncle wharf. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what do you guys think of uh, the rest of the episode? I mean, it did feature Stephen Burkoff pretty predominantly, and I love Stephen Burkoff. I want to point out so. this is what I love about me and Sarah is that we both went to very nerdy places where we knew Stephen Burkoff from. So. I went that he's General Gogo and Octopussy, a James Bond film, and Sarah. <laughs> where did you know him he, from? He he plays um, Stilgar in the early two thousands miniseries Children of Dune. There it Dude. is. <laughs> Which, yeah, and I was I really excited. I, just, I have it all are. caps in my notes. Stilgar. <laughs> oh my god! I was so happy. <laughs> Like, admittedly, like, if you've seen the the 2000 miniseries of Dune with, um, I can never remember any of their names, but not the one with Kyle MacLachlan, the new one. Um, he It's it's yeah, a different in that Stilgar. One. I can never remember. Um, but just seeing, seeing Stephen Burkhoff in this one, he's basically acting in exactly the same fashion as the way he played Stilgar. <laughs> and it made me really happy. He just acts very intensely all the time, and it's he, wonderful. There's a quote I love from Kenneth Branagh, where he was talking to Ray Winstone on the set of Thor. He directed Thor. Um, right. Kenneth Branagh did. And Ray Winstone was the first, that. the first That's one. That's so weird. Yeah, Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, Ray Winstone goes up to Kenneth Branagh and he's like, I feel like I am dipping my toe in the river of ham. Uh, to which 
to which um, Kenneth Branagh said, no, 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 bathe in the River of Ham. It's a wonderful river. <laughs> I've bathed in it many times myself. He um, has indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Burkhoff was drowning in the River of Ham this episode. He was un believably hammy and i was enjoying every second of it he was you need to watch children of dune he he dives to the bottom of the river of ham time ago i think i saw it when it first came out there's this great line where he's like send men to summon worms (laughs) (laughs) it's so good that needs to be a gif right there that sounds oh it must be or or the gif of him like riding a worm and screaming that's another (laughs) yeah he's he's utterly ridiculous and octopusy as well he he you can rely on that man for giving a a truly ridiculous performance and anything you want so i was very happy to see him in fact we had a couple big name character actors we also had lawrence tierney weirdly showing up in this episode which i was not expecting uh i don't think anyone was uh well known for uh, uh reservoir dogs he also played Elaine's dad and famously was such a creep and weirdo on the set of Seinfeld. He was never asked back because he threatened huh. Jerry Seinfeld with a knife because he's a what? crazy person. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, there's also uh, Josh Pius, who uh, was um, Raphael in the, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So another part of our childhood. So a lot of interesting little character actors in this episode, which I quite enjoyed. Indeed. Also, this is a random side note and and isn't really relevant at all, but um, Quark's cousin, Gala, a few nights after I watched this episode, I had a dream that was, I basically, it was one of those like really long, intense dreams because I was sleeping very hard. And um, I basically dreamed an entire Game of Thrones episode. And I dreamed that there was a character called Gala, except it was a girl. In fact, it was some weird... Like, I, I, I dreamed that Arya Stark had um, become undead, spoiler alert, much like Benjen Stark. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, still aware of who she was or whatever. But her name wasn't Arya. Her name was Gala. But it was very much like Maisie Williams. It was very weird. But I remember her name being Gala. So, clearly, that name stuck with me. <laughs> huh. Gala does sound like a good uh, uh, Game of Thrones character name. I agree on that one. Fan fiction, someone make it happen. <laughs> Gala, the f- Game of Thrones character. I should call him yes. like, character in like a Game of Thrones video game. Gala, we'll do that. Ooh, next time. yeah, for, yeah, for the game of th- for the Telltale game. Yeah, the one, the one that people were I like, this game's kind of bad. Played it. Yeah, I've heard that. I should play. I I played the first one and I got it. Like I got what they were doing because they were like, oh, here's your main character. Never mind, he's dead. Spoiler. Never <laughs> mind, he's dead. That makes that's, sense. That's that's. This is like a four-year-old game. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode was... I don't know. I was kind of into it and kind of not. I enjoyed at least Stephen Burkhoff and this was driving me through. I guess it's like, I don't know where I land morally on this... On Cork, at least in this episode. Like I, I was very proud of him. I was proud of him, too. And it was nice that he saw the light. I think that's what helps. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah. That, that, he that had was a very fun mean. way of getting rid of all of his enemies in a very Cork way, which was, was nice. Yeah. But at the same time, I still want to like slap him across the face and like and and yank his earlobes across the entire promenade because mm-hmm. it's like because it's like because it's like after after talking after talking to Gala, 
you knew what you were getting into. You knew you were going. You knew you knew you were going into going into weapons dealings, and because he told you to your face, we sell to both sides. It's like so you know that you're like helping out with wars across the galaxy, and you are now aware that you are you are now aware that that you that you are talking to the guy who so, who sold weapons to both the Cardassians and the Bajorans, but then but but lean more towards the Bajorans because he was like why not like you know who you're dealing with and yet you're still here because you are that much of a Ferengi and you love that money that you love money that much like like I'm sorry I know I I really say he's a Ferengi but there's a limit I would think that there would be a limit and it's like dude like I like like I got like actually saying that out loud and thinking it thinking of it right now makes me it kind of makes me actually a little disappointed in Dax that that, that she that that she of all people like, with how she like just wrote him off for like a good 20 minutes of the episode would forgive him that quickly. I'm surprised Quark didn't play it off like that was his plan all along. I thought he was going to do. Yeah. That he was going to be like, no, I was, I wanted to take down my evil cousin. That was my whole plan. The whole time. I promise. I was undercover. I don't know. I think, I think Dwarf might finally be developing a conscience. Oh, Oh, dude. We did talk about that on the, uh, it's a wonderful life episode was uh, oh yeah has Worf, uh, Worf Quark done had developed enough of a conscience yet and maybe he has maybe poor Quark finally has mm-hmm. it takes 28 million people to develop a conscience but you know you gotta yeah. start somewhere <laughs> I mean you know start small start small mm-hmm. I did like I him. do love how at the beginning of the episode very the first scene uh, when uh, Quark and Dax are playing Tongo and um, he he makes this whole speech to Dax about how he's so broke and whatever, and she still takes all of his money anyway. <laughs> like it's no big deal. She's like, Harsh. I have nothing. She's like, whatever. <laughs> I got something. <laughs> She's like, that's cute. Thanks for your latinum. Mm-hmm. This episode was directed Which by uh, Alexander Siddig, by the way. Oh, wait, what? Nice. Yes. Yes, it was. That's pretty cool. cool. I'm down for that. A tidbit. Well, is there any? Uh, do we have any other notes for uh, business as usual? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of OMG, such a cute baby notes. Ah, uh, okay, whenever yeah, when yeah. he was uh, when O'Brien was able to get him to sleep in the sort of the pod and the ops, and everyone was like looking at it like, no, and Cisco was like. That's adorable, but you have to like not do that. <laughs> yes. The other note I had is uh when uh when he yells at Cork, uh I, I think you feel like you get a taste of Cisco, uh aka Avery Brooks as a dad. When he must be like yeah. when he's giving his stern talking to. And it's nice. Mm. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> like he's yes. like, Listen, mister, you won't do this on my station. Like it's awesome. Yeah, that was pretty good. Mm. Yeah, I, I like uh, O'Brien's uh, baby woes. They're always pretty adorable. And he, to, he, is, he yeah. seems to have the most <laughs> relatable problems. Uh, and then sometimes the most unrelatable problems, like being stuck <laughs> out of time and having a prison in your mind for 15 years. Yeah. Also, Bashir had this one line <laughs> that just hit home very hard to me. He, Miles is like, I don't understand why I won't stop crying. And I think it was Bashir who said, Perhaps he's become a prematurely aware of life's existential isolation. <laughs> yeah, I that was like 
dude, really? I had to pause it for a moment. I was like, I must write this down. <laughs> like, Bashir, come on. It can't be that deep. It's a baby. <laughs> I did like Bashir's answer was just basically like, it's the, something must be wrong with him. It must be. He's like, no, he just does that. Yeah. Like, it's a child. No, I no, I, no. Actually, actually, um, before before O'Brien before O'Brien was like, hold the baby. Okay, you're the babysitter. I you're the babysitter now. I I do I do I do like how like the most complex solution that O'Brien could think of was to set him down in his little workspace, and so it's just the entire and so it's just all it's all, it's all the crew all the crew people just stand just stand just like, oh. And Cisco's like, and, and Cisco walks up like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but still very quiet, very respectful. <laughs> and, and, he, and he's like, get that baby out of here. And O'Brien's like, let's just let him sleep. And, and Cisco's like, fine. Like, get him the hell out of here. We have work to do. <laughs> I also quite enjoyed Quark getting cut off in the middle of his epic speech to himself where he's like... <laughs> I'm going to read the quote as it is. It's just, where I'm going, you can't follow. What I have to do, I do alone. One man who's had enough, who's going to stand up and say, goodbye, Quark. (laughs) (laughs) Dax is like, I don't give a shit about your emotional journey. I want to sleep. Yep. And finally, Quark testing all of the objects in the bar. Oh, yes. Yes. He looks at the drink and like he's like, he ah. sat on a bar stool, like jiggled it for a second, and Gala's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Testing for Odo." He's like, "This is normal. Don't worry about it." <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you think about it, considering the number of things that Odo has been, it's like it's like you know what? That's a not 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 too bad a thing to try. But also, B, it's Odo. Even if he did turn out to be a stool. I don't think I don't think Quirk shaking the stool a few t- for for a few seconds is really gonna face him. He'd just be like, okay, like he, like he he's Odo has been a bag that was carried around, uh, but that was carried around like like a distance. I think he can stand to be shooken. I think he can stand to be shooken for like a bit. Very true. Very true. <laughs> All right. Was there anything else to say for uh, business as usual? Not for me. That's everything. I want to. I want to see where this newly developed conscience with with Quark goes. Yes. Yes, I agree. Character development. Love it. Yay. Hanging with the humans. Humans. Yes. With the humans. Humans. Your human morality. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been our episode. Next week, we will be discussing season five, episode nineteen, and episode twenty which are ties of blood and water and Ferengi love songs. Two very... <laughs> I'm very excited about the latter of these. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> excited. Like, I don't know what it'll be, but it's like, I need to hear this. That might be the most tonally different episode titles we've ever had. Like, those are... feel like yeah. I already know exactly what both those are going to be, and I'm excited for both. But maybe I want a little more happy. We'll see. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off.
Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Med. Uh, Tuscan Med. We are not qualified as medical professionals by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. We're podcasters, not doctors, Kirk. Exactly. I'm a podcaster, not a doctor. All right, let's try that one more time. Well done.